from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. What was lost, now found. Honest people and appreciating farmers. The cross-country trip that involved a phone, a load of grain, and a trip of more than a thousand miles. The nation's cattle herd is continuing to shrink. What one industry expert is saying, the future may hold as corn prices continue to drop. And consequently, the end user kind of has the upper hand right now. Is a bottom in sight, the latest right now on Anchor. Good morning, I'm Clinton Griffiths. Happening right now, corn futures are trading near three-year lows. It comes as farmers finish harvesting what was predicted to be a record corn crop. Ag Day's Michelle Rook joins us. And Michelle, corn futures have fallen more than 30% so far this year. That's right. The corn market is in reset with the production rebound plus a host of other bearish factors. As a result, it made new contract lows in both the March and May contracts as well as hit a three-year low in that spot last December. But market analysts think a bottom is close. Corn has seen pressure from recent new lows in wheat and technical selling with funds adding to their net short position. Fundamentally, even though demand has improved, the market has to work through a record corn crop and a nearly 2.2 billion bushel ending stocks figure. There's also been forced hedge pressure as the December contract goes into delivery on November 30th and with 4% of the crop yet to be harvested. Vast majority is harvested, but what is being harvested late doesn't really have a home in a lot of these areas. The crop has been better than most farmers anticipated prior to starting harvest. And consequently, the end user kind of has the upper hand right now. They see farmers holding a lot of inventory. However, with slow soybean planting in Brazil due to weather issues, that may reduce the amount of second crops or freedom corn that gets planted in lower production. So market analysts believe that will help the corn market hold this long-term support area of 450. With a situation where exports next year from the U.S. could be considerably better, if Brazil doesn't have that kind of supply to, you know, to send out to the market like they did, did this past year. So we're very much feeling the corn market is scraping the lows just above 450 support, which we think and have said all along would hold going into the end of the year. I'm Michelle Rook reporting for Ag Day. All right, thanks, Michelle. The continued drop in corn prices coming as that crop nears an end when it comes to harvest. USDA issuing its final crop progress report of the season, reporting 96% of the corn crop has now been harvested. That's 1% ahead of normal. Soybean harvest is reported as complete a few weeks ago, while cotton harvest still moving ahead, sitting in 83% completed. That's 4% ahead of the five-year average. The cattle prices were back in the green on Tuesday following fresh reports of a shrinking cattle herd. Oklahoma State Livestock Marketing Specialist Daryl Peel telling Ron Hayes over the Oklahoma Ag Network that he thinks the beef cow herd on January 1st of next year could be the smallest since 1961. Right now, he's estimating herd numbers to fall between 2 and 2.5%, 2 while a year ago, USDA said there were just under 29 million head in the U.S. That's down 4% from 2022. Now, Peel says given recent prices, he would have expected decent numbers at auction. That just hasn't been the case this fall. In Oklahoma, auction volumes reflect the fact that cattle numbers are tighter. And so if you look, uh, you know, for the whole year, feeder cattle volumes are down. If you look specifically at this fall during our, you know, so-called fall run of calves, if you will, but we're down about 13 to 14% year over year. 
Uh, cull cow volumes are down even more. They're down close to 50% uh, in Oklahoma auctions. And even the volume of uh, you know, replacement cattle, uh, bred cows and so on, is down significantly year over year. Peel says once producers do start trying to hold on to heifers, it's going to take two years for them to be fully integrated into production. The South is about to get a dose of colder weather while in New England, lake effect snow is dumping 15 to 20 inches on parts of New York State. Meteorologist Matt Engelbrecht joins us with an update. Yeah, got a pocket of cold air that is going to be sinking in and across parts of the United States, but we're actually going to flip back to warmer than average conditions uh, into next week. Here's the temperature coming up later on this afternoon, seeing more of the 50s and the 60s, uh, but check out onto the East Coast, 45 in Richmond, 38 in New York City, at 31 up in Bangor, Maine, uh, with more of the 40s and the 30s below average highs for this time of year. Midwest is going to come in right about average, if not about four or five degrees below average. Otherwise, into uh, tomorrow morning we go. Uh, there's some colder air starting to fill in back into the teens. But as I mentioned, we're going to flip the, the, the script back into the warmer coming up next Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. As for tomorrow afternoon, more of the 50s starting to surge from the south to the north. As we go into the next couple of days, that trend will continue. Go ahead, take a look at your screen here. Dave sending this one in. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. We got him sharing this end of harvest picture with us from Manhattan, Illinois. He said yields were a little better than he expected following two dry spells they had during the summer. Dave getting the harvest done just in time before any snow can hit. I'll have more in your forecast coming up. Soybean markets start Tuesday on fire, but did those prices hold? We'll take a look at the markets coming up next. And later, once things hit the grain dump pit, it's usually just gone. But we'll meet a Dakota man celebrating the return of his phone and its contents in the country. And now's your chance to sign up for the Case IH Holiday Giveaway. Each lucky winner will get a Case IH prize pack full of great gifts. Now, one lucky winner will be drawn each day from Monday, December 18th through Friday, December 22nd. We'll announce those winners right here on Ag Day. Then the grand prize winner will be announced on U.S. Farm Report on December 23rd and 24th. They'll win a Farm All Seed pedal tracker. To enter, head to the website on your screen, caseahholidaygiveaway.com. Ag Day, presented by Pioneer. What's next happens when the name on the cap matches the power of one's purpose. Pioneer, what's next happens here. Global ag output is slowing down, according to new data from USDA. Now take a look at this. On your right, you can see world agricultural output grew at an average annual rate of 1.94% per year. That's far slower than the previous decade's growth of 2.74% per year and well below the peak from 1961 to 1970. Now USDA says the slowdown in growth was primarily tied to a slowing rate of growth in something it calls total factor productivity. Now that measures the amount of ag output produced from the overall inputs used or land, labor, capital and materials. USDA announces new export sales of soybeans as the market surged on Tuesday. Michelle Rook is back with the latest in markets now. Ag markets mostly higher except for corn futures on Tuesday. Tom Fitzmaier with Summit Commodity Brokerage joining us and kind of some corrective buying across the complex. It looked like yeah, it was nice to see some 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 of that in the in the livestock sector and 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 in the soybeans and in the bean oil. Uh, everything else kind of 
Well, I guess you saw a little strength in the wheat too. So, yeah, there there was some nice corrective buying. It's nice to see maybe some of these these markets trying to sort sort out a bottom and and see if they can move up a little bit here at the end of the end of the week. Yeah, and definitely we were oversold in a lot of categories, uh, but the corn market could not follow. We hit three-year lows on the spot month. Why could corn not follow, Tom? Oh, I think it's it's pretty simple, and and, and there are two reasons, really. One is that 2.1 billion bushel carryout. It's just really hard to get anything going on corn uh, with that big a carryout. You've got the funds short, what, 185, roughly, uh, uh, 1,000 contracts. And then you've got the December contract. It's uh, first notice day coming up here, here on Thursday. So the people that are long December corn have to get out to avoid delivery. So that puts additional pressure on. So corn doesn't really have a very good story, uh, except for potentially South American weather. Other than that, uh, it, it's, it's going to be it's going to have a tough time. Yeah. And the cattle market got so beat up. Do you think we're forging a low here now? And are the funds done liquidating in cattle? Uh, I, well, I don't know that for sure, but I'm guessing they're pretty close. They've, their position has dropped substantially. Uh, they might have a few longs left, but not very many. So, yeah, that, that market got way overdone on the downside. I, I think it needs to correct because demand has really held up quite well. We're still heading into a period where the numbers are going to be down. So... I, I think cattle are going to be maybe not go up and test the highs, but I think you could see them see, certainly bounce back up in the middle of their trading range. All right. Let's hope we can build on this. Thanks so much, Tom Fitzsimmer with Summit Commodity Brokerage. That's Markets Now and more Ag Days coming up. Ag Day is brought to you by the Advanced Acre RX program from Winfield United. To hear directly from farmers how Advanced Acre RX helps you get the most out of your season, visit winfieldunited.com slash AARX. Now, one thing that we've talked about before is as we go through the season, autumn, fall, and before we get into winter, this word comes pretty important, precipitation estimate, meaning it could be rain, it could be snow. This next event that is coming up is going to produce a good amount of rainfall in and across the United States. And you can see kind of how it tracks, starts down here to the south and then works up to the northeast. That south to north flow with that pressure system, that low pressure system is very important in that we're going to avoid any kind of significant icing and we're going to avoid any kind of significant snow as temperatures are going to be warming up with this system. So again, there's the uh, precipitation rainfall totals through 7 p.m. on Friday, staying dry back up into the Dakotas. Now that temperature outlook at between December 3rd and the 7th uh, continues to have the above normal temperatures back into the Dakotas, uh, but also the plains back down here into Texas as well. And as I've mentioned before, that's kind of in that five to 10 degrees above average territory. Uh, equal chances or looking at uh, normal, if not slightly below cooler conditions back into the southeast as a trough exits uh, to the northeast. But this is kind of where we're headed to start the first half of December with uh, ridges building through and not much in the way of cold air outbreaks across a large portion of the, uh, the United States. So I'll show you what that looks like regarding the jet stream. So Thursday and into Friday, you see all these lines scoot up here to the north. That's the warming trend that we were just seeing. Significant warming back into the southeast, but also back up into Indiana, Ohio, 
and the northeast. So where that snow has come down, that's not going to last all that long uh, with not only the warmer temperatures, but rain coming over the top, uh, starting to uh, pull in some of the warmer, higher moisture content water. As we get into the weekend, Saturday into Sunday, more of a weak clipper system works across the United States, but what's behind it is that warming trend next week. There's the ridge starting to take shape, and that's going to replace that shallow trough this weekend. Let's start off taking a look at uh, Kentucky, uh, mostly sunny, high around 57 degrees. Augusta, not Georgia, partly cloudy, high around 54 degrees. And how about uh, Iowa State, Ames, Iowa, partly cloudy, high of 46 degrees. We're off to Las Vegas to meet a young dairy producer taking the reins and focusing on the future. That story next. And later, a farmer's cell phone takes a trip without him. See where it went and how it found its way home in the country. This week at the Milk Business Conference in Las Vegas, some of the top talent in the industry will be honored, and that includes this year's top young producer. Farm Journal's Tyne Morgan introduces us to Ben Smith of Cool Lawn Farm, who is all about keeping a family tradition going with an eye toward the future. On the edge of a bustling and bursting Washington, D.C. There's almost 40,000 cars a day go by the location, which is only two miles from the farm. You'll find a fourth generation dairy farm who ventured to this area in the 1970s to uncover a land of opportunity. I'm the second generation on this farm, but I'm the fourth generation of dairy farmers and Ben will be the fifth generation. Growing and evolving has become the way of life for Coolon LLC. Growing up, I always knew I wanted to farm and I always knew I wanted to be a dairy farmer. Ben interned at dairies across the country while in college. But after graduation, he decided to return home to continue the family's heritage. And I thought it was great for him to be able to come into a progressive herd. But to start on the ground with the grazing operation was a good experience. And it really brought him home to what he has become today, which is a successful dairy farmer. The farm's grazing dairy is where Ben got his feet wet right after college. It was a really good opportunity for me because I had there I was alone. I had the opportunity to, to, to do well, to fail. The dairy is still a 100% registered Holstein herd today, milking 800 cows three times a day. We consolidated herds after we built a new freestall barn. And uh, now what was a grazing dairy is now our dry cow facility. We've grown on the register side to, to marketing genetics and, and selling registered bulls to either AI or other dairymen. We've grown in grain production. What started as a 200-acre farm now is a 1,000-acre contiguous block of land, and we're crop farming 2,500 acres. The family continued to make improvements to the freestall barn, but the Smiths simply outgrew the space. The building was built in 1967, so it had served its purpose. And today we're milking in a uh, Bowmatic 50-stall rotary. And at just 31 years old, Ben purchased the operation from his parents. My gosh, he's done a lot in the first year. Uh, he expanded the heifer barn or the calf raising facility. Uh, you know, he's he saved us money right off and started going to bulk products. And uh, he built a, a roof over the new bulk products. Ben's keen sense of business quickly became a tool to the farm's progress. Our philosophy is if you're not growing, you're going backwards. So the plan is always to grow, but growth can be a lot of different things. 
and Ben's plans for the future of this family farm involve more growth and expansion. Ben may be focused on the future, but for this fifth generation farmer, he'll always cherish the past. I've been really, really proud. Um, if I talk too much about it, I will tear up. How proud I've become of a young man. In just a decade on the farm, Ben's journey has been one of dedication and innovation, which is what makes Ben Smith the 2023 Milk Business Conference Young Producer of the Year. All right, thanks, Tyne. And Tyne is right now at the annual Milk Business Conference where Ben and others will receive their awards. Now it's taking place at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas. Look for Tyne's reports and more coverage of this year's award winners this week right here on Ag Day and this weekend on U.S. Farm Report. Now there's a chance you can miss a phone call if you're attending a session at this year's Milk Business Conference. Up next, we'll meet a North Dakota man missing his whole phone until it found its way home. That story. Coverage of the Milk Business Conference on Ag Day is brought to you by Robo AgriFinance. Discover how local relationship managers and global sector expertise can help you address challenges and seize opportunities. Robo AgriFinance. Let's talk. Learn more at www.roboag.com. ultimate lost and found story. It involves a cell phone, a load of grain, and a cross-country trip. Jody Kersman of Ag Day affiliate KFYR reports this story has a happy ending. Harvest time is a busy time. It's a race against the clock to get the crops off the field. And in the busyness of the season, there's no extra time to deal with problems like lost cell phones or television interviews. M-A-R-C-I-A. So on this day, that interview is a task added to farm wife Marsha Wilkins' to-do list. I help run the guys the fields and back and whatever they need. Marsha is happy to share the story of this phone. It's just a good story. And it's 2,600 mile journey. Mm -hmm. Her husband, Travis, dropped it while unloading grain at the New Salem elevator. He said it went tink, 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 and then it went down the grades where the grain went to. Travis and the elevator workers figured the phone was gone forever. Marsha picked up a new phone and harvest continued until Travis got a text on that new phone. His old phone had been found in a load of grain at EGT in Longview, Washington. Shift supervisor Seth Honrud put on his detective hat and tracked Travis down. So I text the number. Uh, I said, you know, I'm looking for a Mr. Wilkins. We found a cell phone. Um, just wanted to know if you would like it returned. The Wilkins <laughs> couldn't believe it. The phone arrived a few days later. It came bubble wrapped in this, all safe and sound. Um, this did have a military um, grade protector around it and that didn't make it. But the phone itself arrived in relatively good working condition. So it's going through augers, elevator, you know, conveyor belts. Who knows what it went through to get there. Seth included a couple of baseball caps. This map that shows the phone's route. It traveled over 2,600 miles. And a note 
thanking Travis for being a farmer. Above and beyond um, honest people and appreciating farmers. Seth grew up on a Montana wheat farm. I just have a connection with, with our farmers. I mean, those are the people I come from, the stock I come from. This was his chance to thank a farmer. Near New Salem, I'm Jody Kurzman, reporting for your news leader. All right, thanks Jody, and that's all the time we have this morning. Sure glad you tuned in from all of us here at Ag Day. I'm Kurt Have a great day.